weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Somebody find that for me real quick, and then we'll have Brother Jeremiah throw it up there. Isaiah 40, 50, 54. Isaiah 54, Brother Jeremiah 8, 17, 18. 17. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Now, this is important. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Now, it does not say that no weapon will be formed against you. That's the part we seem to forget. The scripture does not teach no weapon will be formed against you. It simply makes it clear that no weapon formed against you will prosper. We must understand as children of God, there are and will continue to be weapons formed against us. Why? Why would weapons continue to be formed against us? Because we are in a battle. We are in a war. This is not just something we do to check off our list. God has purchased us with His blood, brought us into His body with divine purpose in the earth in the hour that we live in. And so therefore, as a result... The adversary, the God of this world, would like to oppose God's direction for your life. And therefore, there are weapons of the adversary that are formed against you. we gotta, we got to understand, that's a reality. Now, I have to choose. Am I going to go, there's all these weapons against me, brother. I don't know what to do. Everywhere I turn weapons, I'm dealing with this and I, look, life happens. I understand this. Hear me today. But the Holy Ghost in us has got to do something where we recognize no matter what's formed against me, it shall not prosper. And hear me. If the adversary brings a weapon against me and it causes me to bury my head and go to a place of self-pity, and I've done that, I'm guilty. I'm not telling you like I've never gone there before. But what I'm doing is I'm allowing the weapon to shut me down from my calling and my purpose. You have to know the weapon won't prosper. You say, but it feels like. I understand that. But the Word of God is greater than what it feels like. Yeah, but it seems like. I don't care what it seems like. The Word of God is true or it's not. It doesn't matter what it feels like. The weapon will not prosper. Some of you believe that. I would that we would see the Word of God with our spirit, and that we would receive the word of God with our spirit and say, God, when I read your word, when your word speaks to me, let me see it for the truth that it is, the infallible, inerrant, never-failing word of God. And if the word says, 
no weapon will prosper, then I'm standing on the word because the word of God cannot lie. It can't lie. Even when it looks like I'm about to be destroyed by the weapon. If I'm holding true to him. If I'm clinging to him. If I'm staying in him. No weapon formed will prosper. He goes further. Every tongue. Not some. Every tongue. That shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Notice what it says. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. You know what the adversary does? One of the greatest weapons he'll use is one that gets you to question whether you're in right standing with God or not. Now, in my experience of life, I usually know if I've done something that's caused me to step out of right standing with God. You understand? And where I need to find an altar and a place of repentance and brokenness and contrition before the Lord... And allow his righteousness to come. His blood to wash over me. And his righteousness to robe me again. But the weapons that the adversary will use. Will cause me to look back at things that God's already done and dealt with. And cause me to question whether I'm in right standing with God or not. The Lord says our righteousness is of him. It's not of myself. It's not something I produced or you produced. This is of God. Pray with me again. Please pray. In the name of Jesus, no weapon formed. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's coming against you in your life individually, in your family, in your home, on your... I don't know, but God knows. God is fully aware. God is not removed from that. He understands what's coming against you. And He wants you to lay hold on His Word. No weapon formed will prosper. No weapon formed will prosper. No weapon formed will prosper. You are the servant of the Lord. It's your heritage. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let us to know the word of God. We've heard it many times, but it bears repeating and reminding that when the adversary came against the Lord Jesus Christ and tempted him, he was in the Spirit. He was led of the Spirit. He was in the wilderness. The Spirit led him there. And when the adversary came against him, he did not use his power and authority. Well, he did because he was God in the flesh. But he said, it is written. The adversary is going to bring this against you. I'm just going to stand on the word of God. The word is true. I don't care what everything around looks like, sounds like, feels like. It doesn't change the truth of the word of God. 
if my circumstances appear to make the word of God untrue, then I am being deceived by what I'm seeing because the word of God is forever settled. Amen? We need a fresh revelation of the infallibility and the authority of the word of God. We need it. We need it. There has been a series of verses that have been in my spirit since the Christmas break. And I've been reading it again and again. I've probably read it 25, 30 times, probably more than that, because I've been reading it in different translations just since Christmas. And I, uh, I had made an exchange on social media with... Um, Sister Darlene Laksamana, she had commented about it, and I've said, those same verses have been in my spirit. Uh, over the Christmas break, I'd shared that, and, and it has been something I've been praying that I, I'm not a New Year's resolution person. If you are, the Lord bless you, and I'm, I'm not against that. It's a good time to reevaluate, look at things, set goals, no worries, as long as they're God's goals, not mine, but I, I have a... I feel like the Lord has put in my spirit that I have been reading this scripture and praying this scripture and saying, Lord, if there's anything I want in this year, I want this. John chapter 15, it's very familiar to many of you. John 15, starting with verse number one, Jesus is speaking here. And hear what Jesus says. He said, I am, John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. What he's saying is, there's not another one. It's me. There's not another vine. There's not another source that you can be connected to that will fill what needs to be filled the way only I can. I'm the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. You understand, a husbandman, is a, a husbandman is one that cares for the vine that comes along, that nurtures, that trims, that prunes, that fertilizes, that does all the caretaking. He says, I'm the vine. My father is the husbandman. Verse number two, every branch in me, notice, in me, in the vine, that beareth not fruit, that doesn't bear fruit, what does he do? He does what? He takes it away. All right? And every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? He purges it. That's like pruning. So you got one of two things happening if we're a branch and he's the vine. And that's his design. Either the branch isn't bearing fruit, so he's taking it away. Or the branch is bearing fruit, and somewhere on the journey he's going to purge it. But he purges it with purpose that it may bring forth more fruit. Now watch verse 3. 
Now you are clean through the word which I've spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. Why? The branch. That's us. Wave your hand. Say, I'm a branch. Yeah, you are. The branch cannot. Everybody say cannot. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself. I don't care how much someone prays. I don't care how much they fast. I don't care how much they read the word. If they're not connected to the vine, no fruit. And they can't produce it. They may be able to do things that look like fruit. They may be able to put on certain things that appear as fruit. But I promise you, there is no spiritual fruit produced. And ultimately, if there's no fruit, what happens to the branch? It's taken away. You and I cannot bear fruit of ourselves. Except we abide in the vine. Right? No branch can bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Neither can you. Everybody say you. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't. Now look at him again and say, but he can't. He can. Except you abide in me. Verse 5. We're getting to what I've been praying. Jesus is still speaking. I am the vine, you are the branches. See, he told us that. He that abideth in me, and I in him, what happens? The same bringeth forth much fruit. This is a product of us abiding in him and him abiding in us. There's much fruit. What made that happen? Lots of works of flesh? Oh, no. Spiritual abiding in Him and His Spirit abiding in us, much fruit. Not more complicated than that. It's that simple. Why? Look at the last line. For without me you can do what? Nothing. Do you believe the Word of God? Without me, Jesus said, you can do Nothing. Nothing. Does he mean that without him we're just going to melt into a mass of butter on the ground and we just can't even carry it? Is that what he means? No. The Lord Jesus is talking about a place where we abide. And where spiritual fruit is produced through our life. Which is the design and the desire of God for our lives. And he says, if you want to be an individual, a branch that produces fruit. The way I want fruit to be produced in your life. You can't do anything unless you're abiding in me. 
no fruit can be produced. I want a life that he can use to produce fruit. I know that you want a life that does the same. I know that you are lives through which he is producing fruit. But if we're not careful, what can happen is I realize, oh, you know what? Okay, God, I've got this. And I can fall into religious tradition and routine. And I no longer seek to abide. Watch. Verse 6. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. And they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Can you go back to verse 7, Brother Jeremiah? This is what I've been praying. Lord, I want to abide in you. And I want your words to abide in me. That word, their words, is rhema. It's not the logos of God. It's not the written word of God. It's the utterance of God. The spiritual utterance of God. The living word. The uttered word of God. He said, if you abide in me and my rhema abides in you, you're going to ask what you will and it'll be done. Now, some people read this verse and they say, oh, well, Lord, I want, and they start going down this list. That's not what this verse says. If his words abide in us. Well, if his words, the spiritual utterance of God, is abiding in me, the asking that I'm doing is not asking with my words. You understand? I'm asking with his words. It's his utterance, rhema, the living utterance of God. So now when I'm asking, I'm not asking of my carnal nature and my carnal desires. It's the Spirit of God dwelling in me and the living Word of God dwelling in me. And when I open my mouth and you open your mouth and begin to ask, words that come out are the utterance of God and the will of God is spoken out and you have what you ask. That's why the Apostle John could say, We know that if we ask anything according to his will, we have that which we ask. This is why Jesus said, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It'll be done. So what's the answer then? Abiding. Abiding. And as I've been reading this over the last two weeks, two and a half weeks. This word abiding is meaning a whole lot more to me. If I say to some, maybe you could say, hey, well, where do you abide? I could say, well, I abide at 609 North 32nd Avenue in Yakima. 
At least that's where I sleep. And some days I abide at the Holiday Inn Express in Olympia. And some days I abide at the Holiday Inn Express in Pullman. And some, and I abide in Bank Branches a lot. And some days I abide over here at 330 McGonagall Street in Selah. That's not what he's talking about. At least not naturally. He's talking about where do you abide? Where do you live? Where do you live? Where do you live spiritually? Not where do you live on Sunday from 11 to 1 and Wednesday from 630, 645 to 8-ish. Where do you live spiritually 24-7? Where do you abide? He goes further than that. This is what he's been dealing with me about. Where does your thoughts abide? What things do you and I think on? That's where we abide. You ever had somebody say to you? when You, some, you ever heard somebody make a statement and it was like a crazy statement? It's like, man, what are you thinking? I can't even relate to what you're talking about. Where are you living? Where are your thoughts abiding? It's the reason why one writer, the Apostle Paul, he said this, you know, he said, think on these things. And he told us what to think on, things that are honest, that are true, of good report, virtuous. He said, if there's any praise, think on these things. Where our thoughts abide determines if we're abiding in him or not. It's not original with me, but I've quoted it a hundred times probably. Brother Wright made this statement. You can determine the source of a thought by what it produces. The fruit of the thought. If the thought produces malice and anger and jealousy and fear and doubt, pretty good chance, a definite chance, that's not God. And so it tells me where my thoughts are abiding or where my thoughts are coming from. My prayer. Is Lord. Teach me. To fully abide. In you. Fully. I'm not there. I'm not saying it like I'm there. Teach me. Show me every area of my life. Make me acutely aware through the course of my day when I stop abiding in you. You say, well, the heart, I've got a job to do. I mean, I've got places to go, things to do. I've got people to interact with. Yes. And? Where do I abide? The scripture says, if we abide in him, we'll bring forth what? Much fruit. The only responsibility that I have and that you have as a child of God is to find a place of abiding in him. I don't have any responsibility to produce fruit. My only responsibility, according to the word of God here, is if I abide in him, fruit's produced. 
It's a byproduct of where I'm living. In my thoughts, in my time, in my words, in my actions, in my spirit. Where am I abiding? And when I'm abiding in Him, there's much fruit. And guess what? When I abide in Him, His words will abide in me. You know those moments you've had where you've interacted with somebody? Brother Martin shared some of those testimonies with us last week. He shared a few stories. Where you have an interaction with somebody, and it's like, man, I... We've all said this, maybe. I don't know where it came from, but this thought just came to me, and I just said it, and man, I felt the Holy Ghost and the Word. What is that? That's not your words or my words. That's His words abiding in us. Can we live there all the time? Is that possible? Yes. Yes. Is that difficult? Difficult for my flesh. Difficult for my flesh. This is the desire of God for you and I. Is that we would find a place of abiding in him. Everything else flows out of that. Everything else. The branch connected to the vine. That's the source. And all of life flows out of the vine. All life flows out of the vine. You and I can't self-produce life. All of life flows out of the vine. The Lord Jesus Christ is the vine. We are the branches. And it is the desire of God for you and I to abide in him. There is so much that he wants to flow through you, Carlos. There is so much that he wants to flow through you, Sister Mary. If we'll find a place of abiding in him. How do I do that? Day by day. One day at a time. One day at a time. One moment at a time. We abide in Him. You know why? How many of you have ever grabbed your uh, mobile device? I read an article the other day. I, that's not true. Let me retract that statement. I had share with, shared with me excerpts from an article the other day that said, the, on average, on average, do you know how many times a person touches their smartphone in a day? When I first read it, I was like, no, that can't be right. A thousand five hundred and forty two or forty seven times.
years. That's the average. If you're a teenager, the number's a lot higher. No, true story. I know some adults that think they're teenagers. A thousand. You know what? The adversary, Satan, is not the biggest enemy to me abiding in him. I'm my biggest enemy to abiding in him. And if you think you have challenges with one, I've got two. I'm as human as you are. And I can find myself, before I even think about it, Sister Sandra, I can be like, I'm sitting there. Anybody else ever do that? Please help me. Somebody else? Yes? Oh, whew. okay. Right? And before you, or maybe you, maybe you went to that smartphone with, you know, I just want to check something really quick. And before you know it, you got pulled into something else and... What was supposed to be like 30 seconds ended up being 30 minutes. Anybody guilty? Yep. Now, some of you may sit here and say, well, I'm not guilty. I don't have a smartphone. Yeah, you know what? There's a reason I don't have cable at my house. There's a reason. There's a reason we don't have Favorite shows we watch at my house. It's just as easy to go over and flip on a screen and sit there for two or three hours. I have a screen in my home. Every once in a great while, I'll hook up an antenna and watch a football game. I'm probably in trouble for saying that. Oh, my Lord. You know what? TV's on almost every time I stay in a hotel. But you know why? I'm not boasting here. Don't misunderstand me. I'm there. My family's not there. It's just me. I can go to YouTube and I can pull all these old videos of T.W. Barnes and Billy Cole and Bishop Wright. And I, can, I, got a, I bought a cord just for this. I can hook my computer right into that TV in the room. I'm like, you know what? I'm not with my family. I might as well spend time with him. Where do you abide? Where do you abide? Where do I abide? Our phones, this is what I, this is probably the greatest detriment to me abiding in him. Quite honestly. I can. Be here in a moment and spend time without knowing it, without realizing how much time went by. Where do I abide? We all have jobs, most of us, right? I have to work 45 hours a week or so. I get that. The Holy Ghost would invite us to abide in him. Because of what he wants to do. Now watch the rest of this. Now I'm going to finish. 
when we abide in him and there's fruit produced, look at verse 8 again. It glorifies the Father. It brings glory to God. You want your life to glorify him? Absolutely we do. This is what does it. When I abide in him, the byproduct is fruit, fruit that glorifies him. It doesn't glorify me. It glorifies him. And it proves we're his disciples. Where we abide. Verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. It's a place of abiding. Do you abide in the love of God? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Why is he saying all of this about where we abide? Watch this. Verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you. Why did he speak all this to us? Well, he wants the Father to be glorified. He wants our life to bear fruit. He wants us to be able to speak his words and his will be done. But here's why he said, I've spoken this to you. That my joy, the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ, might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I want you to be full of joy. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Joyful. I want you to be full of joy. Here's the answer. Abiding in Him. Well, if my bank account... No, that's not the answer. Well, if my job... No, that's not the answer. Well, if just this with my family situation... It's not the answer. Joy is found abiding in Him. Does that mean all that other stuff would change? Not necessarily. But it means all of a sudden I see it all differently. Because now I'm seeing through His lens, not my lens. And the joy I now have is full. I, I did this... I ended up here again. Everything that I studied the last few weeks keeps bringing me back to John 15. Everything. I, I was driving home one day, I think from Olympia, and I started thinking about joy and what the scripture says about joy. I was, quite honestly, I was sort of in this little spot where I was like, Lord, where is your joy in my life? I was dealing with some junk. You ever deal with junk? Yeah, me too. I, I was dealing with some junk, and I was like, this is robbing me of joy. Lord, where's the joy? And so I thought, I need to go see what the Word says about joy. When you have questions that you don't understand, when you want answers to things, the best place to go find them is in the book. Not Facebook. The book. In the, and guess what? When I've got problems and pain and pressure, the best place to share them is not Facebook. I'm not on I'm not on Facebook, so if you share something there, I don't know. It's the book. And so I went to the book and I started studying joy. I want to, I want to see what the scripture says about joy. And you know what I found out? Everywhere I started reading about joy, I saw stuff about suffering and pain and enduring. I'm like, hold on a minute, God. What's going on here? This, this doesn't make sense to me. I'm not saying that was in every spot, but I saw it in a lot of spots. 
And I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. In my natural man, it didn't make sense. But as I kept reading and praying and seeking to understand, this is what I found out. True joy. Anybody interested in true joy in your life? The Lord wants you to have true joy. This is the desire of God for your life. That you have, walk, and live in true joy. And guess what? Everything I read in Scripture revealed that true joy has nothing to do with circumstances of life. True joy has nothing to do with bank accounts, circumstances of life, physical health. True joy is not rooted in any of those things. You want to know where true joy is rooted in? It's in the scripture. Maybe it'll be another Bible study another night. True joy comes from where I'm looking. Where my eyes are fixed. You've heard this scripture before? Hebrews 12, I believe. Verse 2, maybe. Go back to verse 1 just so we see context. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that easily besets us. Let's run with patience. What race? Which race? The one that's set before us. The one set before me is different than the one set before you. That's why we don't compare. Well, if my race looked like Brother Martin's race, I'd have joy. But he doesn't understand what I'm going through. Probably doesn't. It's not his race. Run with patience the race that is set before us. Watch verse 2. Looking. Looking where? Looking to who? Not looking at the race I'm running. Not looking at the road I'm on. Not looking at all the things in the path. Not looking at the weapons that are formed. Not looking to Jesus, who is the author. That's the beginning. He's the start. The finisher. That means he's going to be the end of our faith. Now watch. Then it gives him who for the what? Who for what? Joy. Everybody say joy. For joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Hold on. Cross? Shame? Joy? Ah. (laughs) You're getting it now. Joy was set before him. And he understood. I got to go through this. But what's on the other side? There's joy there. This is temporary. That's eternal. This is short term. That's forever. This is just a bump in the road. My life's just a vapor. But what I'm living for is joy that's set beyond where I am now. Joy, everywhere in Scripture, joy is a product of where my eyes are fixed. 
Jesus for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Hear the word of the Lord. We have to endure some things as children of God. That's fellowship with his suffering. That's what's making us conformable to his image. That's Christ being formed in us. So I learned to embrace those things because I have some eyes fixed. You know what? I'm going to come through this, but there's going to be some fruit produced. I've got the word of God to stand on. That brings joy to my life. Amen? Stand with me tonight. Give you hope. Go back to 1 John, or not 1 John, John 15 and 11, please, brother. John 15 and 11. These things, Jesus is talking to us. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might might do what? Remain in you. This is the desire of God that His joy remain in us. I can't produce it. I've prayed, Lord, just give me your joy. And apparently that doesn't just happen. I mean, it may for a moment. But apparently the only way for the joy to remain is if I stay abiding in Him. But then when His joy remains in me, it's not just a little bit of joy. It's full joy. Paul called it joy unspeakable and full of what? Whose glory? Ah, His glory. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. My prayer is, Lord, teach me to abide in you. I want to abide in you. I want my thoughts, my words, my living to abide in you. Would you pray with me tonight? There is a place in him. Reserved for you. There is a place in the Lord Jesus Christ. Reserved for you. You're the branch. He's the vine. The scripture tells us he took us as Gentiles and grafted us in. When you were baptized in Jesus' name and his blood washed away your sin... You were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He grafted you into the vine. And his plan and design for you and I is that we would abide in him. And his word would abide in us. And in doing so, we'll ask what we will. And the will of God would be done in the earth. And fruit will be produced. And joy will remain. And joy will be full. This is the design of God. And there will be much fruit through your life and through mine. 
Jesus, lead us. Show us day by day. Equip us, I pray. Let us abide in you. Let our homes be places of abiding. Let our vehicles be places of abiding. Let our eyes look upon things that cause us to abide. Let us spend our time abiding in you, in your word, in fellowship. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I don't mind telling you, I don't tell you proudly, but I tell you honestly, there's been times in my life I felt great pressure to try to produce fruit. Great pressure to try to produce fruit. There's nothing in these verses we read that has any pressure connected to it. No pressure. There's nothing in any of these verses that brings condemnation to our life. Nothing. These verses are the love of God appealing to us, saying, I have a place that you can live. And this is a place that you can live every moment of your life. You can live in me. And when you live there, fruit is going to be produced as a result. You're not going to have to do anything to make it happen. It will happen as a product of where you are abiding. My prayer for this congregation is that the Lord teach us to abide in Him. Amen? I know this is the hunger of your heart. I feel it tonight. Many of you, I feel the cry of your spirit. Why don't you, before we go, talk to Him and express that cry of your spirit to Him one more Come on, talk to Him. If there's areas He's illuminated that where you realize, man, I am abiding in some other things. I've been pulled into living in some other places. I've been pulled into my mind and my thoughts and my attention and my energies. Let the Lord bring in us tonight a healing and a shifting that causes us to pursue Him afresh and anew. Pursue that place in Him with a pure and sincere heart. Come on, He's beckoning you and I. He's beckoning you and I. This isn't a place that's hard to get to. He's open to us. He's inviting you and I. He wants to produce fruit and more fruit through your life and mine. This isn't something hard that you have to produce. I simply have to let him lead me to a place of abiding in him. Jesus, lead us. Holy Spirit, direct us. Holy God, let us remain grafted. I pray, illuminate to us areas that are robbing us from abiding in you. And illuminate to us areas that we can give our heart and attention that bring us to a depth of abiding that allows your spirit and word to work according to your desire through us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hikatarle boshita mahaye. Jesus in your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, he's wanting to introduce some things to you right here tonight into your spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, teach me to abide, Father. By the word and spirit of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Itabale Koyo City Anana Matelo Bokoriataha, in the name of Jesus. Jesus in your name much fruit much fruit much fruit much fruit in Jesus name Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Itabale koyoshiti araramaha. Eloruria tamale kotodishiti atarabahiete. In the name of Jesus, keep talking to him. What you're feeling tonight, what's happening right now, this is the Spirit of the Lord inviting you into a place right now of just abiding here, just abiding here. Too often we get in a hurry, and therefore we don't abide, and we miss the very things he wants to do with us and in us. Come on, let his Spirit wash over you. Let his spirit wash over you and, and don't just settle for a touch, but be willing to abide there. You can go to this place anytime. You can live in this place where his spirit is ever present, ever ministering, ever flowing. In the name of Jesus.
Jesus, it's a place of peace. It's a place of rest. It's a place of joy. It's a place of hope. It's a place of victory. It's a place of answers. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name. us day by day to abide in you. Let us live in you. Let us move in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost is giving you and I a reference point tonight. A reference point for your spirit. We can't always just... We're not always in places where we can just go into prayer and yield as we have tonight, as many of you have. But that doesn't mean we're not abiding in there. We can still ourselves and listen and wait in each moment. And when you and I are abiding in him, I promise you, I promise you, there's peace. There's rest. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. There's no panic. None of those emotions. When you feel those coming, you understand, okay, that's not him. We rest and abide in him. Amen. God, I praise you. I thank you tonight for the witness of your spirit in our lives. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, let these reference points be etched upon our hearts. Let your word be sealed in our spirit. Let the prayers that we have prayed and spoken to you, let the desire of our heart that we have expressed to you tonight, let's stay before the throne. Let it remain in our spirit. And let us to see the fulfillment of it. That you would be glorified in Jesus name. Seal this word in the hearts of each one. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Greet someone in the beautiful name of Jesus. Abide in.